it's Nancy Yerell, and this is Nancy's Psychic View on the High Road to Humanity. And today I have Bill Wilson Quinn here. Um, Bill, are you in Arizona? No, I'm in California. You're in California. Okay. I'm in Arizona. I was hoping that you were in the same state as me. Welcome to the High Road. I was in the same state as you. You were in the... Okay. Okay. Yeah, I lived in the Phoenix area for 25 years. Oh, get out. Well, I'm up in Payson. Yeah. I'm up in Payson. Yes. I'm up in the hills. <laughs> well, I remember we, we had some email. Uh, yeah, yeah, we talked about this. We talked about yeah. this. It's right. It's right. Thank you for refreshing my memory. Well, welcome to the show. I'm really glad. Thank you. Here today. Yeah. Thank you. you guys, he's written this book. It's called The Higher Spiritual Path. And if you're watching me on my YouTube channel, I'm holding it up right now. And he goes by William Wilson Quinn on the book. We're going to be talking about 12 essays he's written on ascending to your higher spiritual path. And we're all trying to ascend right now. And you know, I was, I just have to say, <laughs> this is High Road to Humanity. And so I pulled up the news because I always like to, you know, bring in current events. And I have to tell you, the current events, the news is so depressing that I didn't, I didn't pull anything to talk about today. I mean, it's not even worth spending our time on it. Isn't that, that's where we've gotten to. I just want to say that. I really feel that, you know, humanity's at a, we're at a point where people either wake up and they learn this stuff, right? And hopefully they connect with the divine or we lose. What do you think? I think we're going to win. <laughs> what do you think? I think your analysis is absolutely right. Uh, there is a lot of darkness afoot in the on our planet right now, yep. and it seems to be getting darker yeah. as we as we progress in terms of the environment, in terms of repressive autocratic political systems, in terms of the inversion of values, right, of principles that we have where. Yep. Now, unfortunately, it seems that uh, justice yields to injustice. Yeah. Um, uh, good yields to evil uh, and, and this sort of thing. And, and uh, good stewardship of the earth now yields to exploitation and has for some time. And it doesn't seem to, we're not, we haven't hit bottom yet, I'm afraid. It's, yeah, it's I'm with like you. Yeah. yeah. So it is a perfect like... time to, to start to investigate how we can individually uh, bring our energies to reversing these trends by, by, yeah. the, by, by the spirituality, right? No, I agree with you. I mean, I didn't mean to get off on a little tangent there, but I'll tell you what, you start to look at and look, it's 11.11 on my clock right now. Um, so when you look at this stuff, I mean, I just want to say, you know, TSA director arrested for U.S. Custom and Border Protection in Florida. People aren't doing their jobs. You know, you get into the lady from um, who was the uh, president of um, the university, Harvard, and here she wasn't doing her job and she was plagiarizing. And you start in the truth. Here's what I see. We'll get into all of this in your book, but I mean, I just see the truth is starting to come out and people are starting to see this stuff. I mean, we're not blind. People aren't stupid. Here's the thing. Here's what I think. I think there's always been this uh, stuff that's gone on behind the scenes, but now because so many of us are raising the consciousness, I think that a lot of this stuff is coming to light. Well, I think perhaps that's true. 
Um, I, I, I think though that there are some substantive forces, you know, in in on our planet, in fact, in the universe, and they tend to go in cycles. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're in a in a cycle now where, in fact, the, the Hindus refer to it as the Kali Yuga, uh, the sort of a, a cycle of of, of darkness and, and um, getting back to the sort of more animal propensities of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, the, the, the cycle swings and, and starts the arc starts heading back uh, upward. And so, you know, there are always struggles at these points of these specific points in these cycles mm -hmm. where, you know, the, the time is, is more and more ripe to wake up and see the, the, the inversion of values that's going on and oh, then yeah. try to do something about it yeah. by, and, and the best way uh, to do something about it is to undertake a course of spirituality that's wedded to the truth. And once you start doing that and, uh, and start reading and, and investigating and meditating and all the other uh, elements of spiritual activity that, that people undertake, the better off we get collectively because the, the, each person by himself or herself is not going to be able to swing this right. version of changes. But collectively, if right. enough positive energy is directed toward the, the issue, then it does start to change. See, and I feel that it is. I really do. And I should read your bio. <laughs> He's got a really long bio, you guys. William Wilson Quinn is an alumnus of the University of Arizona. He got a BA in 1970 in literature and writing. In 78, he earned a degree in MA in religious studies from the University of Chicago's Divinity School. I mean, he has such, I, this is like, wow. From 82 to 87, um, you work for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, applying his graduate training in tribal religion. I think that's really cool. I worked with the Native Americans in New Mexico, and that's really interesting stuff. For the uh, last, yeah, you worked as in the legal um, at, here in Phoenix, in the office there. You were in the Department of the Interior. You've written three books. I mean, you've got quite the background. I'm just wanting to know what possessed you to put this together you know you say this book is based on sacred science and spiritual science i like that i like yeah that. right so what well yeah i mean you know i it, it does stem from my earlier training um at when i was working for the theosophical society okay in in um the, the national headquarters in illinois okay uh I, I sort of was led into that by my studies of Eastern religion at the University of Arizona. Okay. And, and you know, the, the Vedanta and, and the Upanishads that I, that I read, and also the Buddhist uh, um, sutras and so forth. And then I started to write for their journal, and I was uh, invited to come work there uh, as assistant editor of their monthly magazine. And so when I graduated from Arizona, I did that. And, and I, that was also another learning area for me. And in, in that place, you know, it's, it, the, one studies the theosophical doctrine, which is not new. In right. fact, it is the most ancient doctrine in the world. And you can, you can trace this doctrine and its various manifestations all throughout recorded history. Uh, and starting with the Egyptians and, you know, the early Chinese with Lao Tzu and, and the, 
the Tao Te Ching and Confucius, and then right up through Western civilization with Pythagoras and Plato and Socrates, and then later on Plotinus and the, the flowerings of all of these sort of theosophical or perennial philosophy movements. It's all linked, it's all linked together. It's all one long chain. Right. And the latest manifestation of that, or the most, I should say, the most profound and detailed manifestation was that was the writings of H.P. Blavatsky in the in the 1880s, in the 18 from 1875 to her death and around 1891. And what did she, she wrote, say that's so profound? Well, she wrote uh, the the Secret Doctrine, which is a a two-volume massive work on cosmogenesis, uh, sort of starting back with the with the continuous Big Bang theories of the creation right. of the universe okay. and all of the energies that are released in that process and and the development of globes and chains and and um, uh, galaxies and also that and then. <clears throat> the appearance of human humanity from the whole process of evolution uh, through the, the animal kingdom, the, the, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, and then up to the human being. Well, wait, so, what about what about God? What about the creator? Is that in there somewhere? Oh, well, absolutely. Okay. The perennial philosophy does not view uh, the creator as a being. Okay. How it does it not, create it as an energy? Right. As an it, energy. It, yes, it is yeah. in fact the universal cosmic intelligence. Right. 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 Because the intelligence, the, the Sanskrit word for that is mahat. Uh, the Sanskrit word for mind is manas. So those are all the, the uh, root, the root uh, Sanskrit terms. Right. Right. The cosmic uh, intelligence, whereby everything that lives in fact everything altogether has has a form of its own consciousness and as the as the uh the organisms evolve and get more sophisticated that consciousness expands so that the human being is now the pinnacle it's the so-called apex <laughs> uh of consciousness in in all life Right. We have, as human beings, the ability to look in ourselves and understand that we have self-consciousness, and furthermore, that that consciousness is a gateway to liberation right. from the wheel of death and rebirth mm -hmm. that that are we are all bound to until we are released. And right. in in the in the Eastern terms, that that release in Buddhism is called nirvana. In in Hinduism, it's called moksha where you are no longer bound to the wheel of death and rebirth, you see. When you don't have to reincarnate anymore. Exactly, true? right. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm. I, that's where I'm at, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, I'm like, you know, because what we do down here matters. I always say this all the time. And I love your analogy. I want to get back to your book a little bit. I love talking to you because you really get this stuff. And it's cool to talk to somebody that's so knowledgeable. Um, you talk to this, you talk about a mountain and you talk about the summit. You talk about Mount Everest in your book. And you use that analogy as people are ascending, as they're learning, and you call it a higher spiritual path. And I think it's really interesting that you do this. Um, you say ascending to the summit of an actual mountain um, 
correlates to the ascent of the summit of spiritual truth and the rigorous high path that must be um, tread to achieve this. And this is not an easy thing to do. No, no, it, it is quite difficult and quite yeah. rigorous. And that's right. why I kind of went back to, I mean, that's how you start your book out. I just want right, to right. come back to that. I mean, right, that's what right. you're talking about here in this. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, there, you know, in, in Buddhism, first of all, the, the, the whole uh, mountain and summit, it, it is a metaphor. Right. 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 And, and, uh, but it's a, a metaphor that's been used since time immemorial. You know, if you look mm -hmm. back, all of these great mountains, Mount, you know, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with his tablets right. from the mountaintop. And yeah. there's the great Mount Meru in, in Hinduism and in, in the Western uh, culture, there's a Mount Olympus, the home of the gods. So it, there's, the summits and mountains have always been associated with uh, the higher consciousness, a place where earth, heaven and earth meet in, in mm -hmm. a sense. You know, at that point, it's, it's the sacred points of these mountaintops. Right. And, to get there, you know, you start out with the notion that that the Buddha really got it pretty accurately right when he announced his four noble truths sitting uh, after enlightenment under the Bodhi tree in North India. You know, he, he said that that life essentially down here is is fundamentally suffering. Yeah. It's not that there's some joy in it, not that, you know, we're not without joy or pleasure or these high points, but when you it's take hard. the whole... <laughs> when you take the whole process, you know, and, and let me tell you from my standpoint, relative to aging and approaching death, it gets tougher. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't easier. know. No, wait no, a no, minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, I <laughs> the suffering is, is, you know, it's sort of, it gets accelerated. But, but you know, he said that, that that's okay because there's a, there's a way out of this. The suffering is caused by your attachments to everything around you, including right. your emotional attachments. Right. And it, as long as if you can break those attachments and, and be free of them, right. then then you will eventually see the, the, the path out of the suffering. And then finally, his fourth noble truth is he, he outlines it in his fourth noble truth, which is the eight the eightfold path, right living, right consciousness, right meditation, right thought. All of these things, if you follow that pathway, then you will eventually uh, reach a point where you're no longer bound to this wheel of death and rebirth. And you escape, finally, suffering for all time. So the, the release it's worth from it. the- It's worth it. It's worth it. It, it is it's worth, worth it, it. But it, but it ain't easy. No, okay? and it, I gotta nobody... tell you, oh my gosh, as you're talking, I have to stop you a minute. As you're talking, I mean, you're talking to somebody who's just gone through this. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I can tell you have too. And it's not, you think as you get older, I just want to throw this out here. You do get wiser. <laughs> you do get wiser and you start to know more and you start to work on yourself and know these things. But you're absolutely right. It doesn't get easier. It gets yeah. harder because we don't have that much more time. So we right. got to get it in and do what we're going to do down here so that when we leave our bodies, that we don't have to reincarnate again. Right. Because, and that's the, that's another thing. And how do you, well, how do you know? I mean, I know you don't know everything, but I want to know what you think. Like, I don't want to do this again. That's why I work so hard on myself and I try to help humanity and, and do everything I can. But like when we leave our bodies, if we don't want to go this way, I mean, does it say somewhere in the Bhagavad Gita that we can go this way so we don't have to come back and reincarnate? Have you read anything about that? 
Well, yes. Uh, you know, there, there are a number of options, in fact. Yes, let's talk um, about the options. <laughs> okay, the options are, in, in the first case, um, if one is heading toward release from the wheel of death and rebirth, moksha uh, or, or um, nirvana, and I'm sorry I keep using the Sanskrit terms, but no, we, don't have any, we don't have any in English. No, so that, so, I get it. Those are handy terms, right. I so, get it. So we use those. So we I use think those the terms. audience... Understand. Right. Yeah. And it's not it's all not only for Buddhists and not only for Hindus, it's for everybody. It's for okay? everybody. Yeah, yeah. From the wheel of death and rebirth. Okay. Right. Uh there the in Buddhism, and you know, I, I go back to that because they've they've they have uh dialogue about this, these these see issues. I need to read this. I'm so right. glad you're on the show today. <laughs> yeah. Um you can there's there's a there's a path that they call it the pratekya Buddha, that you don't you don't come back anymore, or you don't. You go straight into nirvana from your last incarnation. Okay, you go. You go straight in there. If you, you go with that God, do you go with what? the divine, like into you the go, divine? You go light? into. You be. You reintegrate with the, that, the divine. With right. the divine, exactly. You reintegrate because there's an element in you that's already there. That the atma, the the, the spirit within all of us. Yeah. That that reintegrates. Okay. Right. Um, so once once you've achieved this you after the balancing of all of your karmas the, the karma of all of your incarnations you reach a point where you're you're eligible for release right so you do that that's one option to go straight into nirvana the other option on on that side of the ledger on the on the nirvana side of the ledger is to defer entering into nirvana to come back to assist everyone else who's left here to seek and to reach enlightenment. And that's called the path of the bodhisattva. That's, that's a, a path of, they refer to it as the path of woe. But this is a person now who has been released from the wheel of death and rebirth, but yet voluntarily renounces nirvana to come back into a body or into at least a, a, a state of being that isn't in nirvana to assist other people in seeing the truth of the release from the wheel of death and rebirth. So that's called the bodhisattva. So you've got these two yes. choices, pratekya buddha or bodhisattva. Okay. So that's on the, the positive side of the ledger. On the negative side of the ledger is a, a, a state of consciousness or being called vichi. Okay. And that is for people who uh, lead a path of, of um, uh, untruth, deceit, uh, uh, cruelty, uh, selfishness—all of those aspects of character that are on the negative side of the ledger. And once, once a person, and, and the, there's a there's a tendency in in the reincarnating process to 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 stay with a with those courses, once they've developed, been developed in your earlier lives, uh, it, it's sort of, it's like a, like a tendency. It's not, you're not condemned to it. You can get out of it, but, but it gets harder and harder as you follow that path. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the movie Star Wars, let's say, and you've got the, you know, Darth Vader and his boss, right? right. Uh, I, I don't remember what the characters are called in the movie, but this is a, a seriously evil uh, person, right, who wields a lot of power and, and 
and usually it's about leveraging other people and, and ruling through fear and intimidation and so forth. So that's another path. I prefer not to discuss that or go into it in any great length because it doesn't have a lot to do with my book or no. what I believe that, that most no. of us who are genuinely interested in higher spiritual development are interested in. So those the two options then are go straight into Nirvana or renounce it as part of the Bodhisattva path and then come back and help others. And let me add something very quickly here. Sure. I don't want to dominate the conversation. No, no, I, I, I'm I, so I'm interested in this. Thank you. Thank you. I know the audience is. The, there is this group of those who have renounced nirvana for the sake of others, for the sake of their fellow human beings, so that they can achieve enlightenment. And they are generally referred to as adepts or sometimes Mahatmas or masters or, you know, and these are people who don't go into the public. They're not interested in wealth or fame or any of that. Right. Um, they, they tend to uh, stay behind the scenes and, and that raises a lot of suspicions with people. They say, well, if they're so, you know, glamorous yeah, or they're, they're so powerful, why, yeah, why aren't they? And yeah. that's the simple answer to that is they can't do their work effectively if they're always in, in the spotlight. That's the answer to that. I love and it. so they remain uh, <laughs> sort of incognito, but they are there and they take pupils. A, a certain groups of them do or certain individuals. So, so, the, so these are the adepts to which I refer in the book. And, and again, going back to that whole line or that chain of, yeah. of the perennial philosophy from, yeah. from proto-history to the present, they are, are mentioned throughout those, those times. Uh, the, this, this, this organization, this order of these people who have achieved nirvana, but, but have, not, uh, but have uh, forsworn entry into yeah. nirvana. Well, and I'm just going to expand upon this a little bit since we're talking about it. And I'm so glad you talk about this because I've asked different people and you've had the best answer of anybody on that's come on my show <laughs> about what happens. Because, But I do believe there are a lot of angelic beings and elementals in human bodies right now as well, because I, and I know for sure. There's a lot of angels that are in human bodies right now. And a lot of, like I said, fairies and, you know, it may sound a little out there, but they are here doing the same thing that you're talking about. There is a lot of help being done here on the earth plane and people, I don't think realize it. You don't, yeah. have, you don't have to address it, but I just know for sure. Well, I can address it if you wish. Sure. Go ahead. <clears throat> The, the Theosophical Doctrine does acknowledge the presence of angelic forces. In Sanskrit, they're called devas. Yeah. Um, and they are, in, in, their, in the Theosophical Doctrine or the perennial philosophy, they are sort of vortices of positive energy. Mm -hmm. um, to my knowledge, I don't know of any occasions where a deva has actually entered the physical body of a person. Uh -huh. And that may or may not happen. I don't, I can't address that because I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know that there are devas, there are elementals, and there are all these other uh, denizens of what we've referred to as the inner planes. Those are the, the planes that uh, modern science have, has not quite yet uh, breached. 
They may at some point, but these are all electromagnetic energetic fields of very high frequency. Right. And, and so we don't have any instruments today in the modern scientific community that can, that can pierce that and get into understand these, but, but uh, clairvoyants see them certainly. And, and others that are, that have, that are attuned to those energies, see them and feel them. Right. And so, yeah, the, the, the world is populated with all these types of entities. Which is cool right. because it brings up the vibration and that helps bring the vibration up of everybody else. Just the presence of a high vibration. Yeah. Just right. you going to the store or me going to the store. When our vibration is very high like that, we affect everybody else. And I think that's why they're all here. All right. I want to talk about free will. You talk about, he has so many cool things in this book, you guys. Um, you well, and you even talk about inner strength and, and I'll have to go back to that. But free will, you say will is that which governs the manifestor's universe in eternity. That kind of struck it. I was like, what does he mean by that? Um, you say will is the one and sole principle of attracting eternal motion. Can you expand? So I understand this. What are you talking right. about? That sounds a little bit like a quote from Blavatsky. Yeah, it's one of the quotes that I pulled out of the <laughs> yeah. book, but I didn't understand. I was like, well, what does this yeah. mean as far as manifesting yeah. in eternity? I, you know, I know we manifest immediately in eternity, whereas here okay. we manifest differently. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to uh, get now involved in a, a rather profound metaphysical discussion if you that's want. fine but, go for it <laughs> but we, we then we have to talk about the appearance and uh dissolution of the the periodic appearance and dis disappearance of the universe okay and this and in sanskrit and this is all laid out in the vedas and the vedanta in, in very stark detail okay um what you have is uh before the universe recreates itself it retracts into a state of uh, the sanskrit called pralaya where everything is there's nothing material in there uh it's it is a state of pure latency right and then and then it starts to uh sort of dawn like like when a seed starts to sprout under the earth it it it, 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 it there's a motion in it it there's the first breath and then okay. it manifests and and at the full and the manifestation process is step by step and it expands outward and in that process uh not only do we have the the material elements of the cosmos and all the chemical elements that compose the the material aspects of the cosmos of the universe but we have these various energies one of which is will all right um there there are other ones too there's a they referred to the 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 uh the vedantic writings refer to uh these forces one of them is akasha uh which is a sort of a life uh energy and, and sound another one is called fohat uh another you may have heard of this prana uh you know there's prana is like electricity in, okay. in the world and so there are all these different forces and among them is will and that is a, a sort of uncreated uh, energy. Force. Is it an energy? The energy? Well, of it, it is an if energy. If I have will, you have will. Yeah, and that's we all have will. Everything yeah. has will. So it's energy. Will, yeah, it, it stepped down from the highest cosmos. Like, just like 
universal intelligence. Right. You know, there's one omniscient universal intelligence, but as you get lower into uh, into the various life, the levels of life and being, you know, down down to the amoeba, and then finally up into the human being. All of those things have will. Okay. To, in, in some in some to keep portion. it going to keep it going right. progress. But the interest the interesting thing about will is that when it reaches the human being, uh, we have the ability to uh, use it uh, more than any of the other creatures on earth the human beings okay. so from that point of latency and expansion of manifestation of the universe uh in all of its various stages downward stages it lands and and then uh, uh manifests in the human being where we are and then enabled to use it and hbb also said blavatsky also said that uh nothing is impossible to he or or yeah to he or her who wills that's right. So when, when she says nothing is impossible, she means nothing is impossible. So the, the will is such a powerful energy and such a powerful force that um, those adepts that we referred to have perfected that to uh, a science, uh, the, the development of that, and use that in their energies to bring enlightenment to humanity. But they have certain rules about it. They don't cross... They don't use it against people. They don't force anyone. They only uh, offer the, the truth to people to see, right? Mm -hmm. It's up to us to recognize the truth in those writings. And, and they've left a trail of writings, although going back, as I said, to the Egyptians and the Sumerians even, and right. the Chinese, and all the way through to the modern, to the modern world. So we have it within ourselves to utilize that will, but it's never utilized the best unless, unless it's free will. And what, what we mean by free will is where a person who is a spiritual aspirant is able to align his or her will with that universal will, then that becomes one will, which is really free will. Because if you are subject to your will, which wants to take you into bad places, yeah. then you're a, you're a prisoner of that will. You do not right, have free will. Right, right. I'm going to stop you. I want to stop you. I feel <laughs> like, because as you're saying this, I'm, I'm realizing, okay, so what I feel like it's the will is connecting with God, with the universe, with that energy, you know, the creative energy, which the way God set this up, the way the creator set up the universe is such that the universe picks up our energy, picks up our emotions and everything like that. So the universe, which is God, which is the creator, picks up my will or your will and, and we can connect with that universal energy. And so the will becomes one. That's what you're saying. Yes. Correct? Yeah. 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 In a sense, except I, yeah. I would sort of flip it and say that, that what? Uh, we, we are that will. We are that will it's it's a matter of us to to come to recognize that yes but what i'm saying is once you connect with i connect i say god you know universal energy yeah. once you connect with that love with that power i what i'm trying to say to you is i believe and i think it's what you just said a minute ago when you connect with that it's like it makes it so much stronger and in, as long as it's free will then it's you're good to go yeah yeah Except yeah. it's not it's not our little individual proprietary will 
that it's, we're using to connect with it. The, the divine will is already within us. All right. we need to do is recognize that fact. And that is the process of connection. Okay, you're, you're okay. I see meeting. what you're saying. I see. Right. right. right okay. I yeah. see what you're saying. Okay. I'm making it more than it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. What a great book. What really, there's such cool things in here. There's another chapter um, where you talk about intuition. I mean, there's so much in here. We've been on for a while, but what has been the response? I mean, when did this come out? When was uh, this was released in the United States uh, last week. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so have you gotten January any response? Or, huh? Have you gotten any feedback yet? Or is well, it still no, too I early? Gotten, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I think it's too early. I haven't gotten any feedback yet. Although I've I have done some of these uh, types of um, interviews yeah. and so forth. So yeah, it, it's it's sort of floating out there in the in the in the, in the world. But we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see. You are so, Bill, you are so knowledgeable. I mean, you just know a lot and you're just one of the most knowledgeable people. I've interviewed a lot of people. I think I've done over 400 interviews and um, you just know so much and you have the information. It's like you have the spiritual and the scientific within you. You really do to back it up. Um, what would you like to leave the audience with? Something that would help people, help humanity right now. What could you... Give us. Well, <laughs> aside from this, is a good segue for me to play. Little piece, <laughs> little piece. <laughs> yeah, not only not only read my book, but but I think maybe uh, start reading as much as you can about the perennial philosophy because the perennial philosophy and in, in the latest the large iteration of it that is referred to as theosophy. Okay, mm -hmm. um, but you know, theosophy is is just a restatement. It's not just it's it's an amazingly wonderful restatement in modern English of this of this ancient uh, trend of of spirituality. So I would say for for anybody who really wants to get to the truth, you know, start to see the that that unbroken line because these truths that are in here, and I mean. There are like the law of the principle of duality, the principle of the polarity, the principle of uh, periodicity, the principle of cause and effect, of correspondence, of, of, of uh, um, the principle of compensation or karma. These are, are not made new. up by any human beings and they're not new, they're, yeah. they're ancient. And, and so the, the more recent um, discussions of this, and incidentally, there was another group of perennial philosophers that that uh, that was even more recent than Blavatsky in the early in the mid uh, 20th century there was there was a, a, a fellow in Boston named Ananda Kumara Swami and then a Frenchman named Rene Gunon and then a third guy named Fritjof Schuen that started this group called the the traditionalists so they, they all have different names but but the the principles are are identical throughout so you know, it's just a it's just a, a movement that and in the future there will be new restatements of these of these facts because the language will change and the culture will change and 500 years from now who knows where we're going to be but those yeah. truths will be there so i would say glom on to that line of of truth and whether you want to study uh, pythagoras or Lao Tzu or ramana maharshi or you know any of these they're all using different metaphors and different language to describe the same principles. Mm -hmm. And once you get a hold of that line of truth, 
which is immemorial and immutable, it doesn't change, then you're on the right track, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can you can study and, and meditate and do, you know, eat a plant-based diet and, and do all these <laughs> Do the whole thing, yeah. Do you really enlightened me yeah. today. I Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you, if people want to contact you, how do they find you? Jeez. Um, do you I have a know. website I, or can no, I, no? No, I am, I am uh, a, a social media Luddite. I love I it. <laughs> I don't have any Facebooks or Insta chats or any of that business. All right. Well, if you guys have a question, you can send it to me and I'll get it. <laughs> okay. That'll okay. Work. Is that cool? <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. You guys, it's called The Higher Spiritual Path. It's by William Wilson Quinn. This is what the book looks like. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, honestly. Bill. Thank you, Nancy. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right, you guys, if you want an angel reading, go to my website, nancyyearall.com. I did just... Uh, download a message from Archangel Gabriel. You can check it out. It's actually on my YouTube channel. You can check that out too. Everyone have a fabulous weekend. Blessings to all and take care.